Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Encounter Church. Are you glad that you're here? All right, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're glad that you're here. All right, so I see some smiling faces. Today, we're going to continue in a series called Be Rich. Now, if this is your first time, you're going to be like, all right, that's good. Talk to me. How can I become rich? Anybody? And if you're here last week, you're like, all right, it's not the same, all right? All right, so last week, we talked about being rich through our generosity. And what makes us rich is, in short, our ability and our contribution and how we can be generous with what God has given to us. And today we're talking about being rich. And it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with the way that you serve others. Now, I love Thanksgiving, and I'm excited, and I can't believe in today I looked on the calendar. By the way, did you know that Thanksgiving is coming up, right? I mean, it's not... This week, yes, someone said yes in the crowd. I mean, it's coming up really soon. It's hard to believe that it's not just this week, but the following week after. I love Thanksgiving, right? And so on Halloween or the day after Halloween, we were talking about how much fun we had, me and my boys. And, and I said, hey, so what's your favorite holiday? And one of my sons said, I, I think it's Halloween. Of course they would say that. They're chomping on a Snickers, right, talking about uh, how much they love Halloween. I said, Dad, what about you? Is, is Halloween your favorite? And I said, Levi, no, it's not really like uh, our pastor Chris mentioned last week, it's like a fun, cool, but really strange holiday, right? We dress up, strange, we go to the neighbor's house down the street that we never talked to and ask him for candy. And I love my neighborhood. They don't roll with that small stuff. They're giving out a full Snickers bar. And I have learned to mark that in my, mark that in my calendar and about going, you know, hey, next October go to these homes, right? I mean, seriously. I mean, no, kid, don't, don't go to that house. Let's go to the next one. I really don't do that, but I've thought about it. But the fact that I've thought about doing that is probably I'm just as guilty as if I actually did that. Anyhow, so I, I, I like Halloween. Strange. I don't love it. I love Thanksgiving, right? But as we get to Thanksgiving, what do we look forward to? Any kiddos in the room? What are we looking forward to when we celebrate Thanksgiving? Oh, it's oh, okay. Yeah, see, that wasn't rhetorical, whether it was or not. I mean, come on, we're looking forward to Christmas. One of my favorite things about Christmas is those nostalgic memories that we get to celebrate. And my grandmother, excuse me, my nana, if she's listening online and she's well into her 80s and still listens to Encounter Church through Facebook, those that take care of her uh, 24 hours a day make sure on Sunday she joins in. And so my nana created one of the most incredible memories for me growing up. She would always stay with us. Every Christmas Eve, she would sleep over at our house. It was like a sleepover with nana. And I, even as a, as, a, as a young child, I remember thinking, why doesn't she stay with my cousins? Why, is it, why does she always stay with us? Now we look back, it's because we were poor, right? That was just one of the reasons she loved all of her grandchildren. She still loves all of her, her grandchildren, all of her great-grandchildren, but she met needs in my family because of what my family had gone through. And so she loved us. And I, in some crazy, unique ways, it was an extra special type of love. One of my favorite memories is waking up on Christmas morning and having breakfast that she made. Now, I don't know if you're like a biscuit and gravy type of thing. That's not like super popular all the time. But listen, in my world, being born in South Carolina, right, and raised in South Carolina, it was all about the gravy. Can anybody testify? Got a whistle, got a hand, got some, it, I mean, it's some gravy. You keep your omelet, right? I'm like, you got a biscuit? They're like, we have some cornbread. I said, no, a biscuit. What's a biscuit? Like biscuit and gravy and make it greasy. Take the bacon that you cooked with yesterday and pour it in, right? To gravy? Yes. I'm excited. Anybody want Thanksgiving right now? 
Well, Christmas morning, we had an incredible breakfast that, that my Nana made. But I remember after breakfast, we'd all get together. One of the traditions that my mom and, and dad would circle us around, we would read the, the Christmas story. We would read Luke chapter 2. And then the reading after uh, Luke chapter 2, we would always say something that we're thankful for. I'm like, this is Thanksgiving, right? Come on, let's open presents. But I do remember being super special. We would always read Luke chapter 2 as a family. Didn't have too much discussion on it, but we just kind of centered ourselves with, with what I remember growing up and seeing signs and hearing it. When I, grew, when I went to church, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? We have this giving and exchanging of gift. But I remember hearing things like, well, Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. There's a reason that this tradition of Christmas that we look forward to, um, that we have this tradition of the giving and the receiving of gifts. But I remember something that my mom and dad would always say. They would always say, remember, it's more blessed to give than to what? Receive. Now, as a kid, I'm like, all right, we done? <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm listening, right? But we, I've carried that same tradition on. To, 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 to my kiddos. So we read Luke chapter 2, and I talk about the blessing of giving rather than the blessing of receiving. So just a few days ago, uh, Josiah said, Dad, you know what I'm excited about? I said, what? He said, I'm excited about Christmas, but it's not because of the presents. I'm looking forward to like, you know, we always read that Bible story, and then you always say some things, and then we open presents. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. I know what you're looking forward to, right? We've passed down this tradition, but you know, for those of you that are parents, you know. For those of you that have, remember giving a gift to someone that was really in need, you know. For those of you that are able to contribute to local organizations, you know. For those of you that give to Encounter Church and what we're about to do even next month and being able to bless others in our community that do not have, you know. You know what it feels like to fill your cup because you gave, right? There's nothing like being able to take this symbolic, in a sense, this cup and really pour it out. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the blessing that it is to give rather than to receive. And today we're talking about how that makes you rich. Your service to others is what will bring contentment and what will bring joy in your heart and in your life. I can today, it's still nostalgic, not just the biscuit and the gravy, but the joy of my Nana and her giving to my family. I learned that from my grandmother, and I learned it still even today from my mom. In fact, she likes to give so much still today that we're like, all right, mom, slow down. Right? You don't have to give all that you desire and want to give, but that's her joy, and I can't take that away from her. My grandmother set an example of such an incredible example of giving her life. In fact, in her 70s, just a mere 10 plus years ago, she was one of the number one volunteers at local nursing homes. She put in more hours in these nursing homes than the actual the people that sometimes would work there part-time. And today when I talk to her, and Lord willing, I'll be able to see her healthy and strong here in a few months in early January, going to make a trip to go see my family. Well, I guess I just told her. I always like to surprise her, but if you're listening online, I'm coming January 18th, all right? So, see you soon, Nana. But even today, she has this weight on her that she can't do what she used to be able to. She's like, I wonder if I could still serve at the nursing home. She has 24-hour care. People taking care of her, and she just wants to go serve. My mother is like that. And I've seen that same example in her. There's no greater joy than giving. Peter 
one of the contemporaries and the disciples and the followers of Jesus made a statement, and it's captured in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Now remember the context. This is a contemporary of Jesus, a disciple. He said this, which will kind of set the anchor and the tone for what we're going to talk about in the rest of this hour today, and this will be on the screen. I want you to, to, to listen as I read this along. He says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I'll keep that up there for a few moments as you look. Each of you should use whatever gift you have what? Received. Right? And why? To serve others. Now, the interesting thing about this section of the New Testament is towards the very end of the Bible that Jesus had died, been buried, and rose again from the grave. And after he did that, he went into heaven and, and gave the mission that he started to his disciples. And so Peter, in some ways, we can say, was the very first pastor. Like Jesus came and started this work. Churches all around the globe today, right, are meeting. Churches all around, in every country, and in every state, churches are meeting and gathering. Jesus started this movement. And when he left, he said, listen, it's your turn. And one of the first people he looked to was this guy who I'm quoting right now. He looked to Peter, and Peter really became the first pastor in Jerusalem. Where Jesus died, where he was crucified, where he rose again from the grave, Peter took over. And Peter was actually killed years after Jesus and the, under the same persecution that Jesus himself had experienced because people didn't believe, people didn't get it. So this is the man who was really the first pastor. So the first pastor of all pastors, right, said this, you should use whatever gift God has given you, whatever gift it is, to serve others. Right? And the end of this says, as faithful stewards. So here it is. Each of you, every single one of us in this room, if you're listening online today, you, you have a gift that God has created and it's inside of you. You are uniquely wired. You are uniquely you. There is no other person like you. And that's God's design. And that's God's design for you. And he wants you to use what gift you have to serve others. The end of this verse is interesting, too, is he says, as faithful stewards, right? It's kind of a Bible word. We don't hear it too much, right? other than maybe these type of settings and the idea of stewardship. What does the idea of stewardship mean? I don't have a teenage son yet, even though he is hitting double digits soon, right? But imagine I, Gabe, when he's a teenager, imagine uh, Josiah asking me, hey, Dad, I want to go to the movies with my friends, right? So he comes up to me, and what's he asking for? He's asking for money. He's asking for time, right? So he takes the car out and say, hey, son, listen, I don't have... 20 bucks. I guess at that time, popcorn is probably going to be $17, maybe, maybe $27. Oh, oh, you want a bucket? Oh, that'll be $107, right? Like, what do I want, a kernel? So let's say he needs 30, 30 bucks, and let's say all I have is a $100 bill. And I say, just I'm going to give you a $100 bill, but your max spending is 40 Help me out, mathematician. How much money will you bring me home? I'll bring you home 60 Dad. But he gets home. What's he do? Next morning, he gets home late, so I don't chat with him at night. Next morning, I say, hey, bud, did you have a good time? Yeah, I had a good time, Dad. Hey, you got my money? Actually, Dad, I, uh, my friend needed 20 bucks, so I gave it to him. All right, well, where's the 40? Well, I, 
I, I, I spent that too. Imagine what the conversation would be after that. But uh, no matter how you take that conversation, both gracious or slash of punishment, right, or consequence, or whatever, whatever the next step is, the idea is that he did not steward or take care of what I gave to him. What I gave to him was not actually his, right? Now, if you're a parent in the room, you're like, uh-huh, I know this. I preached this sermon before. You say, I'm not a pastor, but I preach too. You say, hey, listen, listen what you have is mine. Like, I bought it. I remember being a, for my first job was a student pastor, and this father came to me for counsel. He was fired up. I mean, he was so mad at his teenage daughter. He's making all these decisions. He goes, son, he would call me son because he, he was old enough to be my dad. He'd say, son, even though he's come to me asking me for counsel, right? What do I know about raising his teenage daughter? He'd say, son, do you realize, I'll never forget this, everything that she has is mine? Everything she has. And I remember as a 22-year-old first working a job, I was like, yeah, that's, that's true, Right? Well, this is the idea that, like, that everything that you see belongs to God. There's this incredible Bible verse. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to do a, a financial seminar here in the afternoon that I will lead for a few hours. It's in the app, how you can sign up for it. But one of the foundational verses that we're going to talk about when we look at finances is this verse, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in it. If you truly believe that everything that you see and everything that you have belongs to God, it changes how you take care of it, right? Well, this idea of a parent looking to a child and saying, hey, listen, I gave that to you. That was mine. You did not care for what I gave you. And this is what Peter says, is that God has given each of you a gift, and you're responsible for taking care of that gift. So what does it mean to be a steward of your giftedness? It means that we are responsible for using it, right, and using it well. What does it look like to first understand how God has wired you and how God has created you to be? And this begs the question, what do I do? Some of you may have another question. What is my gift? Like, who am I? Like, I, don't, like, I want to use that gift, but what, what is that gift? What does it look like? It doesn't look like what the person beside you, what their gift looks like, but it's unique. I hope that today, as we jump into the next few moments, that we start on this foundation, that each of us are gifted. Each of us are wired differently. Each of us are created by God to serve Him. Three things I want us to, to kind of jump into today. Oh, by the way, let me mention this, right? I forgot this. Have you ever seen these like, financial commercials of late? Fidelity, T. Rowe Price. They all have a theme, don't they? It's stewardship. You know, have you been seeing these commercials recently? I guess because of the inadequate use of funds or, like, or the, maybe the improper use of funds. When you look at certain banking companies and some things that have happened, these theme of these commercials or these people that you invest your 401k, you want them to be what with your money? Faithful. You want them to be good stewards because they are using your money to make money for themselves. Now, that's part of the deal. You know that, right? They're not just putting it in a savings account. They're leveraging your asset for theirs. That's part of the deal. But you want them to be good stewards, right? What happens if they're not? You want to do something different with it, right? Well, today, I want us to talk about three things that will help us as we look towards our next step of being rich through serving. The first one is that it takes all of us. It takes all of us. And what do I mean by it? What I mean is the mission of God. That God longs for and desires to, to let every single person today on the face of the planet, know that he loves them. God longs for and God desires that every single person 
on the face of the planet realize what Jesus did for them. And so the church has a mission. Our church, Encounter Church, has a mission. And it's to reach people like you. It's to reach your friends and your neighbors. It's to reach your family and to tell them about a God who loves them. And so there's a mission, there's a work, right, that that the church is about. It's not just for providing an environment where you can sing and where you can connect with God. Not just for providing an environment where you can learn, right, about God. And that's part of the mission. But the ultimate mission is that all people everywhere would have a chance to know how much God loves them. So that takes what? That takes a team. It takes all of us. Do you realize that none of us can do what all of us can? None of us. None of us can do what all of us can. It's like a quarterback. You ever watch one of the most interesting moments of like a football game is when someone gets fired up. It seems like that all the time. I think the job of the cameraman is to find people that are ticked off, right? Because like there's energy, there's passion because everyone wants to win. And so because if everyone wants to win, like there's energy. What happens when a quarterback is sacked often? I see, you know, you imagine Tom Brady taking the football and doing what? Slamming it down. Or you see Tom Brady on, on, on the sideline, what's he doing? He's looking at plays, he's hearing from his coaches, getting the perspective of what they're seeing from on top, right? Or he's in somebody's face, right? He doesn't have his cell phone out. He's not, he's not calling his bride. He's like in somebody's face, right? And if there's a sack, who's he, what's he going to do? Think about, talk to Josh McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, about the next play. Nope. He's going to be in someone's face. Or if he throws a, a ball and it kind of lands on the grass and nobody's around, either he made a mistake or the right receiver made a mistake. What's he going to do? He's going to get in their face about their responsibility because it takes the team, right? No quarterback can do what he wants to ultimately do without so many people around him. Quarterback gets a lot of time and attention, right? But it takes the offensive line. It takes the receivers. In fact, it takes the entire roster. There's not just 11 people playing at a time. There's 11 people that play football at one time, right? 11 offense, 11 defense, and 11 on special teams. But every NFL roster doesn't have just one player. They have 53. The National Football League allows for the NFL to have 53 people on their paid roster. 45 of those actually get to suit up. Some of those are practice squad, right? But guess how many people work for each team? Almost 200 people. It takes a lot of people to win, right? What's interesting about each NFL team, you know the average NFL team employs 3,700 people on average. So there might be 3,000 roughly 700 people that actually work for the New England Patriots. From the concession stand to the front office to the football team to the coaches to the therapist, the sports therapist, to the chaplain, right? 3,700 People. 3,700 times 32 is how many people today are working to make sure the NFL runs properly. It takes a lot of people. Today, there's one person preaching, right? But there's people in the back. And there's people in the back that you might not know their name. There's people that are taking care of making the coffee. There's people that open the doors, people that turn on the lights, people that wash those beautiful windows who show everything go from fingerprint, right? People, people that right now are taking care of of kiddos, and not just taking care of them, but pointing them to a God who loves them, pointing them to accomplish our our ultimate vision and our ultimate mission. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. And to do what we desire, what we long to do as a church, we don't, we don't, by the way, we have one service, right? 
that, that starts at 1030. You know, one day we long to have multiple services, to have two services, to maybe even have a Saturday night option, maybe even have a midweek option, right? How, would, how in the world would we do that? Do you realize it doesn't just take one person on Sunday morning or 10 people, even though we have one pastor speaking today, we have three full-time staff members, you know, we have eight directors of different ministry areas that happen on a Sunday morning. And you know, right now, approximately every single Sunday, it takes 45 people. Like the NFL, one quarterback, 11 people playing, almost 200 people working in the front office, right? 3,700 people working actually for the organization. 45 people it takes every Sunday morning to run encounter. And that number is even a little bit skewed. You know why? That's skewed because not every single person serves every single week. It takes approximately 75 people, up to 85 people to actually serve at Encounter Church for us to reach our mission. It takes all of us. The second thing is that you have a unique part to play. You have a unique part to play. Now, you may look at some of those areas and go, okay, listen, that band's really gifted. Like, I like music, but I can't do that. You may look back there in the back and see all the technology. You're like, I don't like my iPhone. Like, I, I can't remember how to turn this thing off, much less help you in your computers, right? You may walk by some of the kids' spaces and go, I don't know about kids. I don't know about, oh, we got a lot of laughter there. Come on now. Like, I don't, I don't know about kids, right? You may look and say, I, I make my spouse make my coffee, much less me helping you make coffee for 200 people. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know my, my, my place. You may look in, inside of even the organization that you work for or some of the organizations that you have volunteered before. You're like, I don't, I don't know what part to play. I, I don't know how to make the best contribution. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you this. We want to help you now. We want you to step into a journey in faith and saying, I know that I am unique. I know that there is no other me. And even if it starts with a question, what role can I play? What role can I play? Encounter Church is full of a lot of incredible people. From each and every single one of you sitting here, to the people that are outside the room, to the people that are in the back who tell me not to wear striped shirts when I speak. I wore dark today because I don't need to be bright and loud because my head takes care of all the shine, right? I'm pointing down so you see. The, how's that, guys, in the back? Okay. It takes so many people. Do you know, you know one reason why I love the story and how some of you have even told me, my kids are like the alarm clock on Sunday morning. I, I, we love hearing that. In fact, one of, the, one of the gentlemen that I just spoke with this morning, Charles, he, he looked at me and said, you know what, this morning, guess what? My kid woke up and said, hey, let's, it's time to go to church, right? We're gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to go to church today. You know why? Because there's so many incredible volunteers that create the environment where your children love to attend. It takes so many people, and I think you know by the excellence that you see on Sunday morning in so many environments, that it takes so many people working so hard to make Sunday happen the way that we do. And you, you have a unique role that you can play. Even if you don't know what that role is, i got to tell you, we would love to help you figure out what that looks like. The next thing is that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. This is the idea, even as, as Chris and I have spoken about you know, today, and Chris and I spoke about even last week, we talked about finances, is that it's, it's not that there's something in it that we want it for us. We want something for you, right? 
Chris kind of joked last week and said, hey, no matter how much you give to Encounter Church, I, he's still going to be driving what? His Buick LeSabre. And I, I thought that was funny that he said that. I'm like, yeah, that's true. In fact, every time, like I, I like to bike a lot, every time I see a Buick LeSabre, I'm like, hey, Chris. And it's always a gray-haired woman. Listen, if you have a neighbor driving a Buick LeSabre, I think she probably thinks I've hit on her. It's true. I mean, every time I see a Buick, I'm like, hey, oh, no. These, these women be like, why is he waving at me? That guy always waves at me, right? Right? So, listen, and by you serving, you know what we want? We don't want something from you. We want something for you. I, I, I really believe that there's no greater joy than the joy of contribution. Now, you can fill in what that looks like. It, it, the joy of contribution in your home. The joy of being a part. The joy of contribution when you serve your spouse. The joy of contribution when you take care of your elderly parents. The joy of contribution when you go above and beyond when you don't need to. When your boss looks at you and says, why are you still here? You've already done your job. And you say, I want to do more. I want to help. When you look to a coworker and they're in need, you meet that need. When you hear of, of a need down the street, and you say, you know what, I want to step in to help that. And every Christmas you have opportunities to step into people's lives that need help, and you're able to do that. There's no greater joy than the joy of contribution. And I believe that same joy exists here for so many people every single Sunday that are not just a part of Encounter Church. They are Encounter Church, right? And then they step in and they say, hey, I want to help with my gifts. Now, it's fun to, to watch people as they, as they do well. In fact, I, I just thought about this a few weeks ago when a friend of mine and Chris's, um, his name is Bland, and Bland is the chaplain for the Red Sox. And I was at an event uh, two Fridays ago and ran into Bland, started talking. I said, hey, man, what's up? And he said, I, I'm, I'm quite tired. It was two days after uh, the Red Sox won the World Series, and I, I just really forgot to ask him about that. I just didn't know if he was there. Now, he doesn't go to all the games. He, he's a full-time pastor. Um, in, uh, in Brookline. He doesn't go to all the games. That'd be a, a job in and of itself. He goes to a lot of them. He said, I was actually at the World Series. Each of those games, I'm like, whoa, what was that like? You know? And just a smile, you know? <laughs> like, he, he's a part, right, of their lives. He's not playing baseball. It doesn't matter. You, we're not going to ask you to teach or to preach necessarily, but like, when you're a part of something, there's a joy that's inexpressible, right? Because he's giving of himself. He's giving of his time, of his energy to, to, to encourage not just the, the, the people who play for the Boston Red Sox, but their spouses, their children. Because you know what? They have a tough life, right? They travel a lot. They're, they're gone a lot. They have high expectations. They, they rise early and they stay up late. And so his job is to encourage. And I saw the joy, even though he's tired. I saw the joy in his face, not just for the World Series, but contribution, right? So from, from any level of contribution, like when you know that you're giving of yourself and you're giving of your time, like Oliver this morning when he got his truck around and he goes around the corner and he puts a sign in the back of his truck to put the sign up. So that first time guests actually know, is this a church? Where's the steeple, right? Where am I? Oh, there it is. That takes someone to do that every single Sunday, right? To, to, to be a part of what God is doing here at Encounter. When I was in high school, um, I was a part of, a, of my high school marching band. And a marching band was a really big deal. I, I mentioned earlier I grew up in South Carolina, and it's hard to maybe believe for some of you that like marching bands are a really big deal. Like there were um, about 900 people in my high school, and one year when uh, my high school was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade that you'll see on 
you know, on Thanksgiving Day in the morning that's in New York City. There were 200 people in the marching band. So 200 out of the 900 in my high school were actually in the marching band. My most marching bands, you'd say, you mean 20? You know? I mean, it was a really big deal. It was super competitive. In my junior and senior year in high school, I was invited or asked to be uh, the drum major of the, of the marching band. And that year, we were fortunate enough to win uh, the state championship. And in South Carolina, in each division, 1A schools, 0 to 500 people, 2A schools, 501 to 999 people, right? So there are divisions by size. And we were a 2A school because we had between 500 people and 1,000 in our local high school. And each division, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5A in South Carolina, would have 40-plus uh, marching bands that would compete on these state championship days all around the state. So you're talking about like hundreds of competitive marching bands. And my junior and senior year in high school was one of my greatest uh, memories that on, um, in 1998 and then in 1999, my high school won the state championship in the state of South Carolina. And I remember that's one of my greatest joys because not just because of winning, not just because of winning a state championship, but the joy of what? The joy of being on a team. It's nothing like it. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter even if, if you, what role you played, if, if you were to just help out by, by helping the marching band on the sideline or being one of the volunteers or being a staff member, actually being in, um, on the field performing yourself, the joy of contribution, that's what we want for you. We want you to experience the true joy of contribution. So many of you could stand up here today and say, tell me your story. And you can tell stories of contribution, of helping family. You can tell stories of meeting needs, and you can realize that, man, there's no greater joy than the joy of contribution. Now, every Sunday, I kind of have flashbacks to watching these musicians, because I'm not a guitarist. I'm not a keys player. I'm not a vocalist. I was a brass player, right? And sometimes around the house, when I'm whistling, my, my, I hear my mom's voice, do you, do you have to whistle all the time? Because music is just a part of me. And I'll start singing or doing something, and Levi's like, can you please stop singing, right? I just have these flashbacks of, these, of, of, of the days in, in brass playing and brass performance, right? Because I remember what it was like to be on a team. I'm also like my mom, and I remember her saying to us, boys, I don't care what sport you play. Um, I don't care what you do, but you're not just going to come home and sit on your bottom. You're going to get involved, right? And I'm so glad that she always pushed me. I said the same to my boys. I don't care what sport you play, how many sports you play. I just want you involved. Why? Because life is not about us. Life's not about ourselves. And many of us have experienced what it's like to just be inward, right? But you know when you're a part of a team or you're volunteering or you're giving of yourself, you're able to meet that need in some way, there's nothing like it, right? There's nothing like it. You get to experience the benefit of some of those things. We get to benefit the, the uh, experience of skilled musicians leading us in song and leading us in worship, right? But them, it's different, isn't it? And how they're able to contribute in this way. How they're able to contribute to what we are doing at Encounter Church is significant. And they are uniquely designed and uniquely wired to do exactly what they're designed to do. But there's a Janelle, right? Her name is Janelle, right now, that is uniquely wired to take care of toddlers. And you say, uh-uh, not me, right? Just last week, uh, Jenny, our preschool director, was talking about how gifted Janelle is. She goes, I go in there, and it's, like, incredible. They're all, like, sitting down and actually listening. And she says, let's get in the line. They all get in the line, right? And she is directing the preschool team. And she's like, I, that's incredible to see what she is doing. Like, I don't know if anyone can do like that, right? 
that and how she was talking about Janelle and how gifted she is and how these people just, people, toddlers, these toddlers just do what she says, you know? It's, it's just incredible. She's uniquely wired for it. And this morning, that's what she's doing. She's using her gift. And I'm like, you know what we can do? We can help other people. Because she's so gifted at it, she can help other people be gifted at it. But you may hear a gift and a skill and go, I, I don't, that's not me, and that's not me, that's not me. Some of you know very well who you are and who you were created to be. And so others of you may not. And i got to just confess, I, I know that can be frustrating. That can be frustrating to not know your part of the team and to not know what part you can play. I've talked to many people inside and outside the church. This isn't just about, like, serving on a Sunday morning at a church, but this is about you making a contribution. So many people today are not content with their jobs, and this may be you. Why? It's because you don't feel like you're making the contribution that you want to make. And that's frustrating. No one wants to live a life not understanding or not realizing that they are actually making a difference. What's also frustrating is knowing how you can make a difference and not just being able to. i got to tell you, God has an incredible purpose for the local church, and it takes all of us. It takes all of us jumping in and finding our spot in how we can serve. One of the other things I think that I really want for you is not just you using your gift and your contribution, but you feeling like even taking that next step in relationship at Encounter Church, right? What I love about Encounter Church, there is a sense of family. In fact, in the welcome a few weeks ago, I mentioned uh, how cool it is to see children walk in the doors of Encounter Church and just start dishing out hugs, right? And I wonder, does that kid know that person? Because they're hugging them, right? I don't think you can go to Target today and start seeing kids hugging people, right? Hey, can you give me a hug? There's just such joy and such energy in such life. Why? Because it feels to them like a family. And so many of you can say that today. Like, this, this, is, this is a church. I tell you, you even serving will take the next step in that sense of family. I was talking to Kelly Whiffen, our ministry coordinator and student director, this past week just about this message. And she said, you know what's interesting? I've actually never felt at home in a, in a church until I, until I served. Well, that's interesting that she recognized for herself that she felt like so much more of a part of a church when she was able to serve and be a part of it, right? Now, I'm not saying for you, if you're not like actively serving on a, on a team right now that you don't feel like this is home because you are welcome to come. You are welcome because you are a part of this team. You are a part of this ministry because you're here. and We want you to be here. But we want something even more for you. We want the, the more that we want for you is the joy that you will experience in contribution. In high school, there was a woman named Mary Thomas. She was a math teacher. And I remember she looking at me as a sophomore in high school, and it was a moment. She created several moments for me that I'd never forget. So my high school uh, teacher, Miss Mary Thomas, would look at me, and especially as a sophomore in high school, she goes, hey, one day I want you to uh, be the president of the key club. I'm like, what's the key club? She goes, join, and you'll see what it's about. So as a sophomore, before I was ever a part of this club, she told me she wanted me to be the president. I'm like, all right, kind of strange, right? So I joined the key club, and guess what I began to see for the very first time? Contribution. This 
woman was masterfully skilled at mobilizing people. She would just push people to do things that they never thought that they could do. And I am forever grateful for people like Mary Thomas. Two years later, she looked at me and she said, hey, you're going to raise $5,000 for UNICEF. I said, I am? Yep. Okay. Where do I start? Right? A couple months later, I remember she looked at me saying, hey, there's a Special Olympics. And the Special Olympics in Aiken, the Aiken Augusta area, they always struggle with putting together enough volunteers. You're going to get 50 of your friends, and you're going to run the Special Olympics this year. I am? Yep. Okay. What did I do? I said, like, do I have 50 friends? I mean, this is, come on, this is before the days of Facebook, everybody. You think you got 2,271 friends. You know you don't. You... You know you're looking at your friends going, who is that? And why did I accept their friend request? And just because we have a mutual friend doesn't mean I like you or know you. At the time, I'm like, do I have 50 friends? And she goes, yeah, you do. Go recruit them. As a junior, she looked at me and she said, hey, you need to be the student body president. I'm like, why? I don't want that title. She goes, no, you need to run. I'll help you make the signs. I, really? Yeah. Okay. And this is my math teacher, okay? She was so much more concerned about me than she was my math skill. You know what she did for me? She made me experience the joy of contribution. Guess what we did? We raised more than $5,000 for UCF as high school students. We supplied more than 50 people for a local Special Olympics organization. I'm telling you, there's no greater joy than that day of helping those men and those women compete in games and be competitive. Talk about joy. My goodness, right? And I said, I don't want to be student body president. Why do I need to do that? She goes, well, because you're the key club president. If you're student body president, you can make announcements at the end of the day. That's what our senior class president did. She goes, it gives you a voice and it gives you leverage. Be the student body president. Run so that you can make the announcements at the end of the day and ask people to contribute. Because their lives are going to be mattered by how much they contribute. Okay, that's what I'll do. So every day I'd go to, I'd go to Mr. Gulick, our, pres, our, our principal, and say, hey, I have an announcement to make. She goes, he said, you got three minutes. Announce what you want. Okay. My life began to, to transform because of Mary Thomas. My, my life began to transform because of Bonnie McNeil. My life began to transform because of Chuck Dean. These are men and women in my life that saw in me and simply asked me to serve. That's all they did. They just asked me to contribute, and I just took that step. The people in my life that have spoken words of encouragement and, and words of hope, all they asked me to do was to serve. And they saw something in me, and they called it out. Today, I invite you to do the same. What I would invite you to do is to contribute. And so many things may be flooding your mind right now, like, okay, when? Okay, where? Like, there's an organization outside the, the walls of the church. There's, there's an organization that my friend works with. There's, there's opportunities here. And I know you may have a next step, but here's my, here's my one request, because we want something for you. I want you to be a part of what God's doing through Encounter Church. Are there other ways that you can serve outside the walls of a church? Absolutely, right? Absolutely, but I, I want you to experience the joy of being a part of creating an atmosphere where we believe not just hundreds of people can find God, but one day thousands. And it takes all of us. It takes all of us. Do you know some people serve in those kids' area four out of four Sundays a month, three out of four Sundays a month, two out of four Sundays a month, and one Sunday a month? Like, there's all different ways of contribution. And you may say, I don't know about the kids. I don't know where, if I could be a greeter, if I could serve in the parking lot. Hey, I'll set up signs because I don't have to talk to anybody. Like, there's so many different ways for you to contribute. But I want something for you. I want you to jump in. 
And I want you to experience the joy of, con- of, of contribution to God's work through the local church. I envision a day where we're not reaching 200 people on a Sunday, but we envision a day when we have enough space and enough time to reach your friends, to reach your neighbors, to reach your family. We envision a day when we have not just one local church, but we have, we have many. There are ways for us to, to continue what God is doing here in Westwood all around the greater Boston area, but it takes all of us. And that you have a unique part to play. And what we want for you is the joy of contribution. Last thing I'd say, Chris said to download the app earlier. I've got to be careful not to say S-I-R-I. Because the last time I did that when I was on stage, um, do you remember? Siri. She called a limousine for me. <laughs> Those of you that weren't here, that actually happened on a Sunday morning. I'm like, no, I don't want a limousine, Siri. I shouldn't have said that out loud. See, now she's listening to me. On the app, when you pull it up, you hit Encounter Church. And then when the app comes up, in the top left corner, you will see Starting Point. And once you click on Starting Point in the app, then it comes up a few lines down, Serve at Encounter Church. I would encourage each of you, if you haven't signed the app, if you haven't downloaded the app, download the app. And today, I mean, even during this next song, here's your your challenge, here's your action step. Figure out, find out what it feels like to just take a step and to say, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. And you know what this means? You'll put in your name, your number. There's some ideas and ways to serve in there. You can say, hey, I'm interested in being a part of that. I'm interested in being a part of that. Those of you that don't know, at the bottom, you can just put wherever. I don't know. Right? And our team would follow up with you. And just to step and journey with you, what would it look like for you to serve one time a month? And i got to tell you, one of the really cool things about what we do, our team works super hard to make it a great experience for you. That's one of our number one priorities. And so if you volunteer in kids area, we're going to give you a 200-page curriculum. No, just kidding. We're going to give you a 20-page lesson every Friday and say, better be good. No. I mean, listen, we work super hard to make it a great experience for you. And we will do whatever it takes to make that a great experience for you so that at the end of the day, it's not just us saying, hey, we got one more volunteer. No, it's us saying, you have the joy of contribution at what God is doing through the local church. So I, I'd encourage you, we want you to be rich. And we want you to be rich through your service to others. So if you haven't, had, if you haven't done it yet, give it a shot. Download the app, hit starting point, hit serve and encounter church, and give it a shot. And you know what? Here's the deal. You serve one time, you're like, ain't for me. We say, thank you for coming, right? <laughs> Just, that's okay. You don't have to. Hey, you try something different. And if you say, no, this isn't for me, or this isn't for me, that's okay. That's totally okay. You're not signing up to serve forever right? We're not, we're not going to sign you. We're not going to give you a contract and say, thank you for serving through 2027. We're not going to do that. We want you to figure out what it is that God has called you to do, like what Mary Thomas did for me, what Chuck Dean did for me, what Bonnie McNeil did for me, the example that my mom set and the example that my grandmother set. And man, I'd love to have the health to be 75 years old and serving in a nursing home because I can walk, right? That's the joy of contribution. And we invite you to take that step today. Let's pray.